Hello, and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. We've really been bonding with MK Dons this week. First, we've loaned them one of our strikers. Then we faced them in the Pizza Cup quarterfinals. And we go head-to-head on Saturday in the league. However, on today's episode, we're going to try to get to know them even better. So to discuss Saturday's game at Stadium MK, it's Liam who's returning from the MK1 podcast. Liam, how are you feeling? Are you all right? Yeah, not too bad, Graham. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. We're speaking in the immediate aftermath of our two teams playing, but I think even though it was a quarter-final, it's not the most prestigious trophy on the planet, is it? No, not really. Uh, I mean, it's been nice to win it, of course, a uh, you know, trip to Wembley and a trophy, but um, I think if you bow out of it, it's not too much of a big deal. I think Sunderland are destined to win it this year because we haven't won at Wembley for about 30 years, I think. So for the one season when our fans can't go, that's just destined to win it. That That's sod's law, I think they call it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That'll be the case, yeah. I think we'll start probably straight from the top. Obviously, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, uh, the pizza trophy, but a win is a win for Sunderland. Both sides were a little bit changed, but do you think tonight's game will have much bearing on Saturdays? Um, not from our perspective. Um, of course, you know, I said to you pre-recording how, you know, five of our key players were cut tied for this game, including most of our defence. Um, so players like Louis Thompson, who's playing at centre-back today, we're probably going to see him move back to the midfield. Um, and he's been one of our key players there. Um, well, when he was not injured, of course. And um, yeah, it was difficult. You know, we had players everywhere. We had a 17-year-old up front who, for some reason, was getting criticised by our commentary for no reason whatsoever. But um, that's commentators for you. Um, yeah, I, no, I think um, we'll see Cameron Drone from the off on Saturday, which, you know, after some of the comments from the Sunderland fans that I uh, saw, carried on to the call. Um, he thrives off that sort of attention um, from fans especially, so I'm sure he'll be wearing up for that one. Um, but yeah, and no, listen, it was a difficult performance. I think when you can have a known goal in the first 10 minutes of a game, uh, you kind of against it straight away. And um, yeah, I was expecting a reaction on Saturday and a much changed team. Yeah, you're talking about that that early screamer that we scored after like <laughs> 10 minutes or something. I mean, it, from, from a Sunderland perspective, it felt like a what we've been hoping to see in, in part with a bit of pace up front. So maybe from a Sunderland perspective, it might have a, a little bit of bearing on it. But we spoke sort of off air. Um, it's kind of a weird preview podcast because in a sense, it's a review slash preview at the same time. But then yeah. it, it's difficult to preview again because both sides were a little bit changed. I think I, Sunderland fans listening could probably pinpoint the players that will play from the start on Saturday that played from the start tonight and there's probably about six or seven off the top of my head but how many of those players are we likely to see from your side starting that again you, you touched on the fact you had a few players out of position but which ones how many how many changes do you think we'll make for Saturday I'd say out of the ones that started tonight I'd say seven have a good chance of starting on Saturday and as I mentioned Louis Thompson will come back to the midfield he'll probably take a place of Lassa Sorensen who to be honest wasn't great tonight um, Solonola won't start. He'll be replaced by Ethan Laird, who's the loaning from Man United, who has been really good for us, really energetic, likes to go up and down the wing, and should be a good match. Whoever plays at left back for us, Sunderland. I know it's been a bit changing recently with that position. Um, Lewis Johnson won't play. You know, 17 years old. He's this youngster. I think Cammy Jerome will come in for him. Um, of course, Scott Fraser will play. Uh, he's the best player uh, by a country mile. Uh, we'll see Harry Darling come back in. He's a recent recruit from Cambridge. He's been a rock since he came into the team. You know, back-to-back man of the matches. Um, he'll probably come in. Well, he'll, he'll come in play. He'll come in place Louis Thompson, but 
he won't be directly swapped for him because Louis Thompson will come back to the midfield. Um, and of course, Andrew Fisher will come back in goal. Um, he's been the lead goalkeeper. He's really pivotal to our system. And as you saw from tonight, you know, Lee Nichols has really struggled with uh, playing behind the back. And even tonight, you know, shot stopping, which is usually his like number one skill. He couldn't even do that tonight. So, yeah, quite a few changes. But um, yeah, it mostly be switching some players around and getting some players back who clearly we missed tonight. I was thinking that when I was watching the, the game, because obviously I've watched both games that we played this season and I was at both games last season as well, both before Russell Martin came in and, and after. Um, and obviously you play from the back an awful lot. I think you can see that's kind of the way you played, but it, it felt like you, it felt like I wouldn't say you really struggled, but there's a few times when I was thinking, oh, hang on, we might be in here. Was that mainly yeah. down to the goalkeeper? Because he looked... He looked shaky, but I'm, I'm sure he was the goalkeeper that played at the stadium of light, but I could be wrong. Um, no, it, it, I think it was Fisher. Um, it Fisher? Maybe I'm wrong. I, I can double-check if you like. Um, but no, yeah, Lee Nichols, unfortunately, doesn't ooze any confidence to that back line. Um, we saw it at the start of the season, and that's why Fisher's ultimately come in. Um, and, you know, done wonders. And that's why he's got a new contract and in the January window, um, for that precise reason. Um but yeah, look, it was, it was a makeshift back line. I think once we have Harry Darling back in, um, he's a lot more accustomed to playing out from the back. And whilst we lost Richard Keogh in this, uh, the window, we've replaced him with an equally as good player in Harry Darling, who's much younger and is a very similar mould of a player. Um, so yeah, having him, Louis and O'Hara as the back three on Saturday, which is most likely, um, that will feel a lot more comfortable and be a lot more better passing out from the back end. Uh, I think for Sunderland, it will just be you know applying that same pressure they applied tonight. You're really getting at the back line, trying to force those mistakes. And uh, yeah, you I think with players like Wyke and uh, you know maybe Ross Stewart if he's going to play on Saturday, um, you know they're going to cause problems. And you never know, they might score a goal like they did tonight. Yeah, I mean it did seem like there was a few times we did cause issues. Probably didn't do enough with it when those when we did pick up the ball high up the pitch but I think in general you know based on how you're doing and the games that I've seen which is not as regular as yourself obviously it seems that a lot of teams will go into the game plan pushing higher because of how you play but you, you seem to you seem to handle it nine times out of ten is there any particular games that you can recall where you've you've really struggled with a high press I mean yeah the obvious one is Plymouth away um that they went into that game really confident. You know, Plymouth on a terrible run. Um, and to be honest, for minute one, they just pressed us really high. It wasn't, it felt like it was constant, but it wasn't. It was just short bursts of pressure when we had the ball. And particularly in the number six role, in the pivot role, where we're usually uh, David Kasimi plays, but we're likely to see probably Ben Gladwin play there. But it'll be a combination of him and O'Reilly on Saturday, unless Kasimi is back. But we haven't heard anything about that yet. Um, so yeah, applying pressure to that number six role uh, is very important, and players did that really well with players like Kamara, and um, you know they weren't particularly clinical in front of goal, but they only needed the one goal because we weren't particularly great going forward that day. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much the key to trying to beat us is applying the pressure early, putting us under the cosh, and like today, if you get the early goal, we're going to struggle to break you down, especially with your, your defence, especially on the road, which have been really good as of late. Yeah, we're we're incredibly weird away from home and, and pretty pretty bad at home for for want of a better word, um, yeah. and and all right away for, away from the stadium like so I suppose we prefer our away games this season if there's such a thing in 2021 is it an away game and a home <laughs> game, um, 
you touched on it a little bit before about a particular player that we spoke about in the last podcast. Uh, I was really impressed with him at the Stadium of Light, obviously. I think he was your best player again tonight. I think he's been pinpointed as probably one of the best players of the best signs of the season, which is just typical Sunderland luck. Um, but just how good is Scott Fraser? Yeah, he's he's well, we talk about on the podcast, he's our creative hub. Um, everything we do attacking wise is pretty much him. Um, you know, we've tried to get goals around the team because we know we can't rely on players like Joe Mason and Cameron Jerome to really be scoring lots of goals. And luckily for us, as of recently, they have been. Um, of course, they didn't tonight, but I think tonight was an anomaly performance, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's terrific. And the fact that we got him on a free in the summer, um, it's obviously spoke about him a lot in the last podcast, as you mentioned. But, you know, I'll be very surprised if he's here uh, this time next season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there'll be a lot of championship clubs interested in next. Uh, well, they were interested in last summer. They're going to interested in him in the summer coming up as well. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just the epitome of what this team can do and how Russell, what Russell Martin started breeding this team in terms of the quality of play we're bringing in and how they can be converted in this system. And, you know, hopefully either kept here and to push on to the championship and beyond that, or, you know, sold on for a decent fee, which we can reinvest back into the club. Spoke a little bit about, obviously, Scott Fraser, like I say, on the, the last podcast. And I think he's just got better and better from, you know, the highlights I've seen and from the, the 94 or so minutes that I've seen tonight. You've touched on already, you're a little bit worried about losing him in the summer. Um, if you were to leave, does he then become the model of, you know, what MK Don's kind of plan on being, if that makes sense? I don't think anyone plans on being a selling club, but I think you've got to be realistic as any club in League One that if you have a player that looks like his championship level, you sell them on it, at least a profit. But how much is he How much is he worth? Do you think, how much would you want for him? I mean, uh, at the very, very minimal seven figures. Um, I think that's what he does. That's, as a player value he deserves. I mean, I think if, if a club came to us and said, look, here's £2 million with some add-ons, um, we'll take him off your hands. I think the club would probably take that, to be honest. Um, that would be too good of an offer to turn down. And, you know, considering we, I said we got him for, for not for nothing, but a free on the summer, that's yeah. incredible ROI um, or return on investment, if you know what ROI is. Um, but yeah, like, listen, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, you see from this transfer, they're bringing so many young talents like Charlie Brown, like Matt O'Reilly, um, who who have this high upside, who we can, you know, Russ can nurture. And we've seen with players like Kasumu and Taranola who have come through the system this year, who particularly, well, particularly Matt, uh, Matt Taranola and a player that, you know, was almost released before Martin came in and has really blossomed into the system. And whilst he lacks a bit in the creativity going forward, he certainly adds to that his defensive ability and, you know, he's going to be, I, th- I think he'll be another player in this club who can really push on and do what likes of Daly Alley have done and George Baldock have done in terms of really, you know, show this academy in a good light and push on into the top division. But yeah, like, I mean, with rest of the helm and the recruitment we've got, I feel we're going to do well. Whether that takes a few seasons to get out of the championship, it could do. Um, or get to the championship, say sorry. Um, but yeah, listen, I'm really happy with it. Talking of um, sort of bringing players back and stuff like that, I'm really surprised you went in for Delhi Ali yesterday because it seems that you're in for a couple of your former players. But um, I touched on it sort of in the intro, I suppose. Um, we've just loaned you a striker that we once famously paid £3 million for in Will Grigg this week. 
Uh, I don't think anyone at Sunderland would wish him not well, but I don't think anyone's going to miss him. Um, he obviously can't play this Saturday, so maybe kind of a mute point when we're previewing the game, but I think it would be remiss of me not to ask for your reaction to the return of Will Grigg to Stadium MK. Yeah, um, I'm I'm happy. Um, you know, of course, he had that brilliant season of us with um, Deli Ali, Lewis Baker, Benica Fobi, um, which sort of go to the championship. Scored a ton of goals, um, really suited the system. And to be honest, this system is fairly similar. You know, we create a lot of chances. Uh, I feel that we need a striker like Greg. Uh, from what we've seen in terms of his finishing ability, which some Sunderland fans may laugh at. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's happy to come back. Um, I think, you know, this whole Shrewsbury thing that came up, he didn't actually want to join Shrewsbury. I think he was just, he wanted to play a bit of football and he felt like Shrewsbury at the time was his only move. And then Russell Martin got on the phone and got him here. Um, I think it's a win-win for both clubs, quite frankly. Of course, you know, with the, with the speculated wage package is that we're only paying a certain amount and Sunderland are still paying the majority of the wages. Um, but if we can get him firing, um, you know, he'll come back to you guys and you could probably sell him for a decent fee. I mean, he's not he's not even 30 yet. So there's still definitely a few years in him. We've got, you know, Cameron Jerome knocking him out, who's 35 and uh, still bagging the goals in. Um, but I think the only way it turns out bad for both clubs is that you'll realise that, oh, what the Sunderland fan base's realisations are great come true and he's not the striker he used to be. He's, you know, lost lost all confidence and you know he goes back to you exactly the same as he left but I struggle to see that happening with the coach team we have here and the whole culture and process behind what we're doing I feel like it's much more suited to us as a club than it would be Sunderland obviously with the likes of you know you've got Wyke um obviously Stuart in now and um other strikers like that but uh yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a bit of competition between Sunderland and whether it's Danny Graham or Will Grigg is the uh, worst signing ever. But um, I think Danny Graham sort of beats into it a little bit. I think Danny Graham's both his spells. I think Danny Graham beats him both times, to be completely honest with you. No offence, Danny. Yeah. But um, I, I'm kind of in agreement with Will Grigg. It just hasn't worked out here. And I think everyone can see that via a Netflix TV show, he wasn't the most thought out signing. Um, shall we put it that way? I think, you know, going back somewhere, he's obviously had a good history, get a bit of confidence back, fresh, clean slate. It's just the, the best thing for everyone, really. And if he if he has a, a relatively decent end to the season, then, you know, hopefully we'll get some kind of return on him and, and not completely lose everything. Yeah, him. I mean, the funny thing is with Greg, when we had him, uh, when we got promoted, we had the option to buy him for a million pounds at Brentford because Brentford didn't want him. And uh, our chairman thought to just not buy him whatsoever. Uh, of course, he goes on to Wigan, uh, scores a boatload of goals there, and obviously gets a semi to Sunderland, um, and we get relegated. So, in a in a in another world, Greg wouldn't even a Sunderland player. He'd still be at Milton Keynes Dons more than likely. And it's just yeah, it's just funny because we we should have signed him for the million pounds then, and we might still be a Championship team. Who knows? But instead, you you've got him. We spent the four million pounds on him, and uh, we're getting him back in League One, and hopefully trying to get back up to the Championship again. I found it quite interesting that, because um, I like Russell Martin, I listened to the, the podcast that you did with him and I like the way that he speaks. I think I think he's one of those managers that could go on and do really, really well. And um, hopefully he's not on that list of the likes of Paul Hurst. I seem to have kind of hit the buffers once he leaves the club in League One. I think he will go on and do well. He's got good experience across numerous good clubs. He obviously plays football in a really attractive way. But he was quite... Um, he was quite stern in his admission that he wasn't interested a couple of weeks ago in Will Grigg, to which 
I kind of, I suppose I took him on his word and was a bit disappointed. I thought, oh, I bet you will dying to go back there. But obviously that hasn't happened. Um, reading between the lines, what, what do you think happened there? Do you think it was a case that we didn't think you could bring him in and other clubs would want him and pay more wages? Or uh, Yeah, it was funny because we had a very similar situation with Scott Fraser in the summer. Um, it, there's rumours of Scott Fraser joining. Uh, our local reporter, uh, Toby Locke, asked him about him. He said, oh, yeah, we... You know, Scott's a great player, but definitely we can get him in. Um, and then a week later, he's at a preseason friendly game and he signs. And um, it's pretty similar to Will Grigg, and we had a little joke with him saying, Oh, yeah, uh, you know, before you're interested in him. Because it's this classic Russ Presser situation that he seems to be doing. He, and I think it was the way he emphasized it Oh, you know, we've linked him every single window, we're not going to sign him. Um, but apparently, he was being honest in that interview. Um, so I'll take him for his word, I guess. But yeah, I think I think he was always interested in him. I don't think he ever wasn't. Um, but you know, things change football on deadline day. It's the most hectic day of them all, I think. And um, yeah, we hijacked Shrewsbury's deal, and they're not too happy with it. But you know, end of the day, uh, we don't really care. We've got our you know train goal striker back who we had four or five seasons ago, and yeah, pretty happy, happy days. It's been quite a, a busy window, I think, for yourselves, both in, in incomes and outgoings. I think before I go into the January as a whole, you brought in uh, Zach Jules from Walsall yesterday as well. Obviously, he's he's 23. I think he's approaching 24. He's been seen by Walsall as a, a project. Um, sounds a little bit similar to one we bought from Walsall. That hasn't really worked out. Um, and he's currently at, obviously, your rivals in the AFC Wimbledon. But... Um, how happy in general were you with your deadline day moves yesterday? Yeah, um, obviously we had to wait a hell of a long time to get them in. It seems to be the, the theme of all clubs yesterday. It was yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jules is decent. I think he's a left side centre back. What we're expecting, uh, you know, six for three, quite tall, quite powerful, kind of what we need really. You know, you saw how tonight we were pretty poor for set pieces. Maybe that wasn't the first team out there really, but. You know, it was still wasn't a good look and it hasn't been a good look all season. Um, so, yeah, Jules definitely bring that. I don't think he'll be starting straight away. I think it's a very similar situation to another January edition in Charlie Brown. Um, more of a project um, should be the long-term place of Dean Lewington if all goes to plan. Uh, you know, Louis coming, maybe not towards the end of his career just yet, but, you know, next season could be a pivotal season in terms of where his playing time drops a little bit. And I feel as though Zach can come in and really... Um, try and get a role off him. But yeah, I think him and Greg, you know, obviously we've talked a bit about Greg already, but yeah, you can't make him play too much. We wanted two in for the day and we got two players in and didn't let anyone else go. Um, but yeah, six incoming, six outgoings. So, and of course, a few contract extensions. Yeah. So yeah, pretty happy with January in general. Looking at obviously January as a whole, you obviously made those signs yesterday. We made three outgoings yesterday. Um, I think both clubs did the bulk of what they wanted before the window closed. Obviously, you touched on Charlie Brown, which is a fantastic name for what it's worth. Um, Ethan Lades came in before you touched on him as well. Um, Matt O'Reilly seems to be more of a player that's going to come straight into the team, but they've all had a bit of a taste of first-team football. You touched on a couple of them already. Um, in particular, Matt O'Reilly, did they look like they could be good additions? I know he got off the mark on, on Saturday and was taking your corners tonight, so it seems like he's going to be someone who's going to play on a, a more regular basis than maybe the other two. Yeah, um, Matt O'Reilly, it's an interesting one. He turned down a three-year contract to Fulham, I believe. Um, so he's a free agent in the summer. He's been training with the club since the summer. Um, and I think basically just to cut down the compensation fee uh, mm -hmm. that we had to pay with a 
waited till January to sign him. And yeah, he's been brilliant. Of course, scored the opening goal against uh, AFC Wimbledon. So the first our first goal since we to Plough Lanes, so that's quite a special one. Um, and yeah, it seems to be decent. You know, I was a bit sceptical on him, um, but Joe, who's one of the third of the podcasts, was talking to him, me about him, and he's really keen on him. And um, yeah, he seems to be a nice compliment to Fraser. I still think Louis Thompson is the best compliment to Fraser personally, in terms of being this sort of young division. Um, but yeah, listen, it's another depth player, if not more than that, in our midfield. We've got we've only got three midfielders in our team. Uh, we have about eight or nine midfielders, which is ridiculous. But I think it's I think they're all really good players. Um, and you know, it's it's a good sign. Like for free, you can't really complain too much. And uh, he seems to have that huge upside, which attracted clubs like Dortmund previously. Yeah, and obviously Fulham have a, a really good academy. They signed one of their old academy players yesterday that obviously got nurtured with us. Uh, Josh imagine not a bit of a sore point, but um, obviously <laughs> Fulham have brought two good players. And although their, their first team tends to bob, I think their academy's probably slightly underrated. So obviously if you just came from there, you looked quite decent on the game on Saturday. You took your corners tonight. Tonight, like you said, it's a bit of an anomaly, but nonetheless, it looks like it's going to be someone who will potentially make an impact from the off. Um, I don't want to go back to it, but I'm going to have to. Uh, last time we faced each other prior to, to well, tonight's game, you took your first away win of the season, which is very Sunderland, beating us 2-1 at the Stadium of Light. Um, it's a different Sunderland, but looking back, well, slightly different, but looking back, what did you make of that particular game? Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, obviously, Sunderland fans are very confident heading into that one. Of course, they would be. Uh, you know, on paper, it made sense. Um, but yeah, we put in a performance. I think Cameron Jerome is pretty pivotal in that one. Um, I think it's the same again. You know, he's getting Sunderland fans tagging him and all these posts tonight. He's going to be riled up for that one. And you're just asking for it, I think. Um, and yeah, first team we back, obviously, I mentioned the cup type players. Um, Darlin's a rock at the back. And yeah, I think to look at this result tonight and think it's a replication on Saturday is a bit naive. Um, obviously, most of the fans may not know that. Um, you know, based on their tweets earlier, they don't. Um, but it's to be interesting. I think I think it'll be a lot more competitive. Um, and I'm hoping we can get. Yeah, I, I think a point's a good result to be honest on Saturday. You know, Sunderland are very good away, as I mentioned. I think it's a, is it 12 unbeaten away now in a row, which is mental. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, this is going to be a good test for this team. You know, we've replaced two teams who, you know, they're OK. Um, but I think Sunderland, uh, you know, they're team pushing for playoffs. They're in the playoffs right now. And it's going to be a real test. And I'm I'm hoping that the team steps up for sure. With the, the game at the, the Stadium of Light, obviously us losing that 2-1 at the time. Yeah. It is different because Parkinson is different to, to Johnson vastly. But at the same time, it's not... Um, it's not transitioning to Lee Johnson team just yet. I don't know quite how to word this, but how how unimpressive was Sunderland in that game when we lost two one? Did you find it was surprising how average we were? Shall we say? Um, in a sense, but I've had this weird I've had the weird thing with Sunderland the past few years. They haven't been very impressive anyway. I just yeah. don't feel they've been a team that I've been. Like, oh, it's Sunderland. They're going to automatically get promoted. I always had them as a playoff team and nothing else. Um, and, you know, playing them earlier in the season, they looked exactly like that. And I think for a team that them kids to come and beat them at the time where we were at, we were still transitioning as a team. You know, we had, you know, like Fisher was still transitioning to the team and things like that, who has proven to be a really key piece in the squad. Um, 
yeah, it was. I wasn't. I mean, yeah, same thing. You have six or percent possession on the game, um, which is basically it's kind of replication of what I, we used to do. Really, have a lot of possession, not really do a lot with it, and then you lose the game, and you don't really know why. Um, but yeah, you know, listen, I'm not. I'm not. You've probably a better idea of me than what's changed in terms of little things from a Parkinson to a Johnson team, but from what we saw tonight, at least, there seems to be a lot more clinicalness regarding the team in general um of course you know white came on and yeah he was playing against a bunch of kids but he still do well to score the goal and this to sort of put the nail in the coffin and um yeah it's going to be much likely to be different from from us tonight it's gonna be a lot different from what we saw from you at stadium and light i think on saturday god i hope so i don't think it can be much worse than that day and <laughs> um, that was a bad bad performance um talking about we've touched on cameron joan before i do remember his tweet um, thankfully, I also remember Sam Allardyce ragging him across the a dugout one, so I'll, I'll let him off. <laughs> um, we're at least level on that, I guess. But he scored the winner that day. He's been hugely important for MK this season. I think I can't remember where I read this, but there was, I think it was top five League One signings, and, and you had two players in there: Scott Fraser, we've touched on, but Cameron Jerome was in there as well. He's he's thirty five. He's he's a bit of a an old man these days in footballers' terms. But what has he brought there? Not keen since the summer. I mean, uh, for starters, a bit of grit. Um, that's the type of player. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Everyone thought he was done. Uh, he's gone for Turkey. Not really done much there. But uh, we said in the podcast, you know, Turkey. He's in a league for the like Champions League teams and Europa League teams. Like the, he's not paying a bunch of mugs essentially. Um, and yeah, you know, he's just come in um, hard worker for sure. I think even when. Without Morris, he's really taken to that Carter Morris role, which is the link-up play, the build-up, the hard work, essentially, really trying to create chances for the likes of Mason and hopefully Will Grigg when he's eventually allowed to play on Tuesday against Rochdale. And, you know, I think he's a good role model. as also, you know, the likes of Charlie Brown and Jay Bird is currently injured as a youngster. And, of course, Lewis Johnson played tonight. You know, he's, he's bound to mentoring them about certain things. And, you know, I think it's just a good... I think he's just a good person dressing room. You know, Russ Martin, he played him a lot in Norwich himself. So he knows who he is as a person. And I think to get him has been a, a real coup. And he did have a for offers, um, which seems to be the model of our sort of January transfer signings and summer transfer signings in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, will he stay here next season? We don't know. Um, of course, I think he's shown that he can still you know, score goals at a good level. And has proven himself in this league. So maybe championship team will come in for him, a bit like what Richard Keogh. That's it sort of situation happened. Um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm happy with him. And yeah, I mean, you can't really complain. He's joint up goal scorer. So <laughs> yeah, he's just really good. And for League One, he's an absolute coup. Talking about the 35-year-old and a free transfer that were brought in in the summer. We've just released ours in Danny Graham yesterday. So I think you've yeah. got the, the better 35-year-old. I think it, it probably speaks volumes as well. You've touched on before about... Um, been a lot of teams in for certain players that you've ended up getting hold of, like Will Grigg being one, Cameron Jerome being one, Scott Fraser being another. You know, maybe with Scott Fraser, the salary cap played some sort of part in that because um, I know we were after him. I don't know if we could have offered him more and that would have made a difference. You never really know, but I think it probably speaks volumes, doesn't it? From a, If you're a fan, if you're looking at players who are choosing MK as almost like a, a project in a sense or a club to be part of, and Cameron Jones going there is someone who previously was under or played alongside Russell Martin. You've got a couple of other players going there. Does that give you a lot of confidence when you see players like choosing your club based on the project? Do you think actually the people behind the scenes must be doing something right then? 
Yeah, well, that Sunderland game specifically, obviously, it was a um, was it international break weekend? I believe I think it was. So. Yeah. So yeah, there was obviously there was a lot of eyes on that game, and there was I remember on Twitter after the game there was a lot of tactical analysis going around about how we play football. So there's been a lot of eyes on the team since the start of the season specifically. And, you know, for example, we mentioned Jules earlier. Jules literally said in his, when he first joined the club, he wants the main traction was playing for Russell Martin, playing the Russell Martin team. So in that, in that such a short period of time, we've managed to sort of get players to think, oh, yeah, Russell Martin, I want to play for him. I want to play for Milton Keynes Dons. And yes, we're not where we are and want to be in the table right now. But I think next season, once we've got, some of these players like Jules and Brown like really developed into the system. I think we're going to be really pushing on at the table and we're going to bring more of those players every single season that Russ is here. And it's credit to the recruitment team as well. You know, they've brought a lot of data analytics side of things. I don't know if you've heard of Market Insights. They work with likes of Plymouth um, on like set pieces, but they've been working with us on these past few transfers and Jules and um, I think the other one was Charlie Brown, actually. Um, so, yeah, look, I think... It's been a different approach to it all, and it's clear that a lot of clubs may look to do that in the future as well. So it's been about being a bit of a trailblazer in that sense, and uh, yeah, really impressive, really happy, and hopefully the only way is up. It's funny when you look back at it because I mean I think we touched on it previously, but um, when Russell Martin first took over, I think he was first in coaching, was sort of playing occasionally at the time, and I seen it as a well, that's not going to work out because it's the same person, part of the same um, coaching staff. And yet here we are just over a year, I think, or maybe a year since. And he's now probably one of those underrated, but gradually getting more slightly highly rated managers in this division. Do, do, you, do you worry you might lose him at some point? Or do you think he's here long term? Do you think you can get at least a couple of years from him? Um, I've, heard, I've, I've got mixed emotions, but I, I feel... I've heard from various people at the club that he's very embedded into it, and he wouldn't. Well, especially the fans, he wouldn't. He wouldn't leave for any club, and maybe besides Norwich. Um, but then, obviously, you have got the other side of which is you know, managers have moved on in the past. Um, admittedly, well, for, for us, not many have actually moved on to a different club. The rather have been let go of sacked because they've been so poor. Um, of course, yeah, yeah, even Carl Robinson, he got a championship. He got sacked eventually after. A terrible start to League One after, after the relegation. Um, so he, he'd be the first manager in a long time um, to, if he did move on, move on from us and not be let go. But no, I mean, obviously we've, we've spoke to the guy personally and he seemed really embedded in the whole club. Um, you know, he joined under Paul Tisdale and he seems to have a real feel regarding the core of the dressing room and the players there. I've always said to let someone go, but that's just part of the ROI model. Um, and if you're going to get a good offer for a player, you're going to take it. Um, am I worried? Yes, of course I am. Um, he's a good manager. His his coach seems even better. You know, Luke Williams is one of the best assistant managers in the league, if not the EFL. And that's not me saying that. That's the other coaches saying that. Uh, the recruitment team is excellent. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a good setup here. I'd like to think he can see that, and you know, he's uh, first hand. He's building it himself. So I mean, if, if he can't see it, then no one else can. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I could be worried, but right now, uh, no, I'm pretty happy with him, and I think he's pretty happy here. I think it's one of those things as well that if he does go on and does so well to the point that a club in the division above or, or someone you know seen as a, a bigger club comes in, it, it benefits all around in a sense that if he's got you to that point where he's a so 
you've done so well, you, you'll kind of take it. You don't want him to do badly just so he stays or, or do average, I guess. So Yeah, yeah. Double-edged sword, isn't it? It's kind of a funny one. You want him to do well, but maybe just well enough that he's not poached by anyone. But I get where you're coming from. But he has. He, he genuinely has impressed me. And I don't know if that's based on, you know, listening to the podcast you did with him, but he speaks very well. He seemed to have a, a grip on things. And one of the big yeah. things for me... And I, I was really surprised because we discussed him um, in the first podcast and I was quite surprised he had signed him, but you convinced me that he'd done a really good job. And then next thing I looked at, he'd gone to Huddersfield, um, which is a bit of a weird move for someone of his age to go up the division. But um, how disappointing was Richard Keogh's departure or was it not disappointing at all? Initially, it was gutting, to be honest. I feel, uh, of course, he had six left in his contract and to get a reported six-figure fee for him is obviously really good business um but at the time you know he was one of the one of dressing leaders in the team he easily went about performance in the team regardless of what some people said about him um and yeah i mean obviously bringing harry darling to replace him as i mentioned earlier has been he's been as good if not better um but yeah i think initially i was pretty disappointed i mean Obviously, he came in from Derby, being what happened at Derby, uh, had a chip on his shoulder, a bit like Jerome, I suppose, um, and Huddersfield fans did take too kindly to him signing. I did an article um, for Huddersfield Town Podcast sort of saying, judging for what he does on the pitch. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's, I think his goal was always to go back to the Championship. I think he maybe didn't make that clear at the time, but I feel, obviously, when he, as soon as he's time for the Dons, that's what his aim was to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's football, isn't it? It's like I didn't want to lose Regan Paul to Lincoln City, but he's gone, and yeah, you know, he's probably going to be in championship next season if Lincoln continues on the form they are. Uh, you know, you're going to lose players, and that's the problem with this club. Sometimes we get a bit too attached to some players. Like for example, when Lee Nichols probably moves on in the summer, he's been one of my favourites over the past few years, and uh, I think he deserves first team football, quite frankly. So uh, yeah, I think with the over overhaul of the squad, it's you're going to get attached to a few players. But yeah, Keo leaving was disappointing at, at the start, but. Uh, getting Darling in um, seems to uh, soften that wound a little bit. Yeah, and obviously, I think, it's again, it speaks to your recruitment model, which seems to be working. But uh, on a club who, over the past few days, seem to have sorted their recruitment model out, we've been quietly impressed with the signings that have came in. Um, one of them made his debut tonight, Jordan Jones, probably the one that's most highly anticipated. It's hard to judge tonight's game because both sides were so changed, but... Were there any players from Sunderland side that particularly impressed you this evening? Um, yeah, one one particular was Luke O'Nine. Um, I mean, obviously he's been a, he's been a mainstay that's been for quite a few years now. But you know, I think he dominated everything in the midfield tonight. Um, admittedly, he didn't have too much competition really. Uh, but to deal with Scott Fraser like he did, of course, he still has his chances. But you know, to limit him to the chances he did have is always impressive. You know, eight out of eight ground draws and four out of four aerial draws won. You literally cannot ask for any more from him. And um, I imagine he'll be starting again on Saturday. Hope so, so, yeah, yeah, after that performance, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Um, so yeah, I mean, he was impressive. Um, Jordan Jones, yeah, I mean, obviously you mentioned just then, uh, did all right. Didn't have to do too much really. Let's be honest. Uh, going up against Sorinola, who in his outward favourite position didn't do too much on the whole game. Of course, had that shot and just went wide. But it, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I think for me, it was just. Sunderland didn't have to do too much on the night in general. Um, I feel, you know, first shot didn't have a shot on target. Um, so I'm expecting a lot more from them. But I feel the ones that did play 
just did enough and you know through to the next round job done uh, move on to Saturday and hope well hopefully for our sakes we get three points but I'm, I'm sure they'll be looking to do the same yeah of course well we, we love away days apparently so we're quite yeah, looking forward yeah, to, yeah. to Saturday in a sense I think well actually I'm never looking forward to it after the past few seasons <laughs> but there you go um finally as always you know what what are your predictions for Saturday Um, what are you fancying from a, a game perspective and what would your scoreline be if you had to put your house on it yeah, um, much change lineups for both, I imagine. Um, I think we'll be seeing at least five changes from the Dons, probably more. Um, and I'm sure the same will be for Sunderland. So two different teams, two different setups. So it's a bit more of a competitive game. Um, and I'm going to go with 1-1. One, one. Oh, yeah, we do like that result. Um, <laughs> well, I said, I've said 1-1 one, one for weeks and we, we've won 1-0. And yeah, I said 1-0 on Saturday and we... We drew two two, so I'm going to take a one one as well because fingers crossed that goes like it did previously. I'm wrong again, and we win the game. But Liam, thanks as always for coming on. Um, I always forget to do this, but if people do want to listen to your podcast, because obviously I've actually taken up listening to it since we've started speaking, even though I've got no affiliation with MK Dons, because there's been some good guests on there and it's, it's been interesting. Um, but where can people where can people find you if they want to listen to the Russell Martin podcast or anything like that? Yeah, thank you for listening, first of all. And um, yeah, it's uh, at MK1 Podcast on um, Twitter. And then if you just want to search the MK1 Podcast on Spotify or your preferred platform, it'll be on there. Nice and easy, mate. Nice and easy. Fantastic. And as always, I keep forgetting to do this because I don't care enough from my side. But if you want to subscribe, you can. You just press the button that says subscribe and it apparently does it for you. Um, but thanks again for coming on, Liam. No, yeah, no, no up on Saturday, but um, best of luck for the rest of the season after that, all right? <laughs> Same to you.